What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Live Life Progressive Podcast. I'm Sincere Hogan. That's Mike Mahler on the other end over there. Of the microphone, that is. So we gotta, <laughs> we got to clarify a lot of things at these last few shows. Make sure it's not taken in the wrong context. Okay. You know. We don't want people to think that I'm on the other end of a human centipede. <laughs> Google that crappy ass movie, people. You don't know what I'm talking about. As the uh, operative word, pun intended. You know? <laughs> yeah, man. So we're going to get right down to business. Let's go ahead and take care of the business at hand first before we get to our, our guest, our homie that's on the show today. So, first off, people, make sure you hop over to my website, newwarriortraining.com. Type in the coupon code LLA. You'll get 30% off of my physical and digital copy of my DVD. The choice is yours. Pick one or pick two or pick a lot. Send them as gifts. Okay. And you'll also get 30% off of my weight management 101 course. 12-week course really help you take control of your body, your weight, your diet, your training, how to put it all together without having to get confused and mixed up with all the mess that's going on out there in the media as far as how you should be eating and how you should be training. Hey, this gets right down to it cuts through the crap, makes it very understandable, and plus you get lots of interactive ways to better support what you learn through the entire course. So you have PDFs, you've got video, you've got audio, and you've also got email support from me. So there you go. So check that out. You get 30% off of that Weight Management 101 course as well. Mike, what you got going on on your website, brother? That was a great pitch, man. I like that whole buy one copy, buy 12. Hey, you got friends. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas, Christmas is only nine months away. Stock up now. You, know? uh, you can use that same coupon code LLA. Get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements. My testosterone booster, which has more testimonials than any other testosterone booster out there, period. I mean, take a look at the testimonials on my page. 50 real-world people testimonials. Not me sitting around making up stuff like most companies do. So check that out. My Restorezyme products help you get rid of all those aches and pains so you recover faster from your workouts and manage inflammation, which is important for health in general. And then finally, my recovery oil. Put it on before you go to sleep. You're going to have the best, best sleep of your life. You're going to wake up refreshed, ready to go, recovered, fully restored. It's got magnesium, zinc, MSM in it. And then you can also use that coupon code to get 10% off any of my videos, my T-shirts, basically anything on my website, my e-books, etc. Don't forget, folks, also that we're having the ultimate course in Las Vegas, September 2021. It's going to be the same weekend as the Mr. Olympia here in town. So that's an extra bonus. And we're going to have myself, Sincere Hogan, Kim Blackburn, Steve Cotter, eight hours each day, two days. It's going to be a fun-filled weekend. It's going to be a real experience. We're, going to, we're looking at getting a really nice casino, the M Casino or Green Valley Ranch, where we can just book out one floor for all of the students so we can have some fun extracurricular activities as well. We want to have as much interaction with you guys as possible. We don't want this to be one of those courses where you come out and you go through some instruction and then everybody goes their separate ways. We actually have fun at these events. It's not going to be a course where everyone goes to sleep at 9 p.m. We want to have some nighttime activities where it's going to be a blast, where it's it's going to be a real Las Vegas experience that you'll remember for the rest of your life. You're going to look back and go, man, that was a killer time. I met some cool people that I'm still friends with now. I had a chance to get some great instruction. So don't miss out on that. Use you, What you want to do is get on our VIP list right now by emailing sincere at llapodcast.com or mike at llapodcast.com. Just say VIP in the subject line. We'll add you to the list so that you have access to the lowest pricing possible before we make a big announcement and allow everyone to sign up. We have 65 people on that list, so get on it, because we only have 40 slots for this course. So most likely, we're going to sell out this event just from the VIP list. So you want to make sure you're on it. There you go. 
All right, man. So let's get to this. Got our, our homie and our friend, Chris Reed, is in the house all the way from the big hat up top from Canada. What's up, man? What's going on, Sin? What's up, Mike? How are you guys doing today? Going, man. Good doing to great. have you, buddy. We, had, we, we just did a great podcast with you without recording it. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the problem. We've been talking for 45 minutes. And we're like, man, this is some good stuff here. And that, now we're all like, what do we talk about? Because we, just talked, <laughs> we just talked about everything that's worth talking about. But I mean, this is what get, happens. This is what yeah, happens when the three of us haven't really talked at the exact same time since we last did a workshop together in Toronto at Chris's old gym in Toronto a couple of years back. And yeah. so we've just been playing catch-up right now, man. And now I just realize, like, shh, dude, we just missed, like, two shows. But um, who knows? Somehow the, the podcast guys may have accidentally recorded all that chit-chat before the show started. Who knows? I don't know. My computer's kind of crazy like that. So it may end up becoming bonus material one day that's privy to a VIP list as well. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, we talked about everything from really crappy double snatch kettlebell technique to the TRX ripoff to program design to the kettlebell sport, why it's taken off. So let's, let's get into some of those topics here for sure. But actually, let's start off with some of the program design stuff you're working on, Chris, because you, you and I have been texting quite a bit about some of the breakthroughs you've created with some deadlift regimens, powerlifting regimens, how you're combining it with kettlebell training. Let's get into that because I know a lot of people are really interested in that kind of material. Yeah, cool. Um, what you're speaking about specifically is the uh, kettlebell black belt manual. Uh, and basically, uh, right now through social media, anybody who's interested in learning more information or is interested in following along with the progress of the kettlebell black belt initiative can just simply enter in that uh, hashtag through any form of social media. So uh, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, you enter in the hashtag kettlebell black belt and a whole bunch of material that's relevant or pertinent to that topic will pop up. Um, but basically, um, the whole thing started um, <clears throat> when I was watching a video on Westside Barbell from Louis Simmons. And uh, one of the videos that I was watching, Louis was, was going off on a little bit of a tangent talking about how the method that he employs, the conjugate system at Westside Barbell was adopted from um, the old Soviet and Bulgarian blocks in, in their conjugate system of programming. And it was something that he specifically took from weightlifting and it was... Um, you know, as a result of them drawing from a sample population of elite-level Bulgarian lifters. And the simple underlying philosophy of the system is that if they can expose their athletes with a greater frequency to lifting near-maximal or maximal loads throughout the competitive season, that their athletes, in turn, were going to do better in competition. So if we can figure out a way to trick the central nervous system whereby it doesn't burn out or doesn't go through symptoms of over-fatigue, but we can at the same time be near maximal or at maximal loads throughout the entire year, then we're going to produce better athletes. So one of the things that Louis brought up in this video was that, you know, it's interesting that he adopted this and brought it into the powerlifting community. He's seen such outstanding results over the, the last, I don't know, dec uh, three decades at Westside Barbell, and it's become one of the premier facilities in North America and holds countless number of powerlifting records and has countless champions even within its own walls. Um, that no one in the weightlifting community kind of has, has taken the, the reverse, like taken his system and been like, okay, you know what? There's tips and tactics and strength maneuvers that we can use from Westside Barbell from the powerlifting community to improve weightlifting. Uh, and uh, that's kind of what like planted the seed. It was like inception, you know, and I'd like, not to say that I had Leonardo DiCaprio or any of those dudes running around in my head, but 
It's just more or less like that, that, that was where I was like, you know what, he's onto something. Like maybe what I can do is adopt some of these methods and see if they actually apply and there's a carryover in training performance to kettlebell sport. And then you combine that with kind of the kick in the ass and my desire to give back to the community at, uh, of aggressive strength um, because, you know, um, just as an aside, Mike hooked me up with the uh, testosterone booster and uh, I was using the test booster for, for uh, um, uh, two months, two months period because I had two bottles. So I was using, I used both bottles in the two months and I was just so hyped up after using the test booster because of the increase in strength that I saw and increase in performance and just even the change in body composition was insane. So I remember distinctly sending a message to Mike being like, look, I'm going to send you this training manual of some of the stuff that I've been working on that you can put out as content to your community of, of aggressive strength followers. And it was just my way of saying thanks and, and giving back to the community. And then I thought, you know what, man, rather than doing like this, like seven page manual and just uh, ladening it down with, with um, like a program, I thought, you know what, let me tear into this really and get some quality content back. And it just, I just got really excited about it. And then I wanted to dig deeper and do more research. And, you know, I ended up reading all 110 of Louis's articles that he has on his website at Westside Barbell. He's now got three different videos up as well on, uh, you know, the dynamic effort method, the maximum effort method. And, uh, right. Um, accommodated resistance. You can tell I'm getting excited about this. Like I, I haven't shut up, but um, That's awesome like, stuff. Yeah. there's there's like tons of stuff up there, tons of content that Louis gives away for free. So that's really what the genesis was of the kettlebell black belt program. So I had written the content. Um, I kind of mapped out what photos I wanted to take. I mapped out free content in terms of video content that I want to provide to people that are interested in it. And then uh, you know I stepped back and I thought, okay, well you know it's missing something integral, which is empirical research. We need data. We need to put this out in the field and, and do a test run. So that was my call back in, in prior to the new year in looking for test subjects that were interested in participating in the beta group. So I have uh, now uh, two athletes. I just recently acquired a third athlete and myself. So there's four of us that are currently following this programming and we've had some phenomenal results. Like just crazy stuff, crazy stuff that, you know, um, I'm willing to answer comments and comment on, you know, through the duration of the podcast here. But it's been phenomenal, some of the results that I've seen in incorporating what really is Louis Simmons' methods in the conjugate system from Westside. Give, give us an idea of how that training. breaks down. Give, yeah, okay. give us an idea of how that breaks down. So, so basically what it is is, um, I, it's, uh, you know, sin, sin yourself, Mike, you guys will be able to relate to this. It's like um, wanting to do everything that you love doing but just organizing it so that, so that you can do it all, right? Like the, my, my big passions are, are now, you know, uh, powerlifting movements, so bench press, deadlift, squat, variations thereof, uh, what Louis would refer to as like the core exercises. Um, so bench press, deadlift, squat, being able to do weightlifting. So I'm looking at clean and jerk and snatch movements with a barbell and then variations thereof, um, you know, uh, doing like three position snatch or three position clean, for example, would be a variation of weightlifting movements. And then moving into uh, your kettlebell sport movements, plyometrics, and then uh, mobility. Like those are really the five key ingredients in what the kettlebell black belt program is all about. It's wanting to do all five of those things and just build a more complete athlete. So when I look at each one of those modalities for training, I look at power, powerlifting as being able to increase an athlete's absolute and relative strength. I look at weightlifting as being able to increase an athlete's power. Now, for those athletes that, um, for whatever reason, are, can't perform 
uh, weightlifting movements because of injury or just inexperience or whatnot, then we incorporate plyometrics and jump training because, you know, it's, it's all of the benefit without the risk. So there's all the reward without the risk in terms of incorporating plyometrics as opposed to weightlifting. And, and that's a concept that I really got from James Smith and Joe DeFranco when I did my certified physical preparedness um, certification through them. Um, so there's that. And then uh, mobility, which is fundamental. I mean, Kelly Starrett talks about it in mobility-wise. Just being able to get into position with movements, you know, and making sure that your tissue, your soft tissue, your fascial tissue is unjunked. You want to be clean. You want to have quality of movement. So to me, it's not a question of flexibility, which is just having the range of motion in and around a joint when you articulate it, but it's mobility, which right. is having strength throughout the entire range of motion along with the articulation of the joint, right? Um, and then, you know, just like those, like, again, like I said, it's just wanting to have that complete program. And then you add in the, the final layer, which is kettlebell sport training, which we all know as kettlebell advocates ourselves that it, there's nothing better out there in terms of building someone's work capacitance than a kettlebell. Like that's what the tool was designed for. You know, it was meant to be used as a tool to, to develop and grow your work capacitance and your ability to do more work in less time or more work for a longer period of time. Right. No doubt. No, that's pretty cool because a lot of people oh, – sorry, go ahead, sir. Oh, I just have one question. Well, no, you know what? Go ahead and ask yours, Mike, because I'm going to come back to it because I'm pretty sure that it's going to tie back into what Chris is going to bring up a little bit more yeah, to the program. More, so go ahead. More of just a comment. Just okay. Just, I, th I think a lot of people like the idea of combining modalities, and they just get confused on how to do it effectively because most people start – using different training tools for the same goal. So, for example, they're doing heavy barbell training, and then they're doing heavy kettlebell training, and then they're doing heavy whatever else training, and then they're going, this is just not working out at all. And I think I like the way you delineate everything where it's let's use kettlebells for the work capacity, let's get the mobility work in, let's use barbells for heavy training, let's get some of those Olympic lifting moves in there for power training. And I think that's how you want to combine stuff. So I think people get a little bit confused when they, they're thinking – Let's use all of these different tools which have different purposes for the same exact thing, and then they're wondering why it doesn't work out. So what you're right. doing is making a lot more sense for sure. One of the things that I do have – sorry, Mike, I apologize to interject, but one of the things that I do have to mention that I feel is critical at this point in time is, you know, none of this um, – would have emerged had it not been for observations made within the kettlebell community and, and identifying a need within the kettlebell community for uh, a structured program such as this. You know, it's just like I, I, I'm passionate about it. I want to give back to the community. I want to see the community grow, and I want to see uh, athletes grow to their, their full potential. And, you know, as, as another adjunct to that, this, uh, this, this content also would not be at the point where it's at if I hadn't had the help of like Ken Blackburn along the way because, you know, almost every two weeks, you know, I'm on, I'm on a Skype call with Ken just touching base with him and, and bouncing ideas off of him, you know, and in terms of his experience working with his athletes and whatnot. So there's, there's a strong influence there in terms of, you know, the experiences that he's had because to be, to be quite candid, you know, Ken's had, you know, several years uh, experience doing programming for kettlebell sports. So he's got that edge on me, you know, and there's things that he's encountered, uh, challenges that he's encountered along the way that will only further enrich the material that I bring forth in, in the kettlebell black belt program and, and training manual in the future. Like, right. so, you know, I do want to, I do want to make a point of acknowledging Ken Blackburn's efforts and just, you know, uh, the, the graciousness that he has in, in, in helping me kind of mold the material out as it's coming. Let me say right. one thing. Chris, you just did two things that Mike and I talk about on the show constantly, and you just avoided a pet peeve of ours. First of all, you gave credit where credit's due. 
I mean, the fact that you've given credit to Louis, you know, to Joe DeFranco, to Ken, to all these right. guys who've influenced this project that you're working on, not only just this project, but your, your training as well, and you're not trying to step out here like you're this, this guy who's just like, hey, I'm bringing something brand new to the table that no one's ever done before, and it's smoke <laughs> right. type crap that everybody's yeah. doing now in the fitness world. So props to you, first yes. of all, for giving credit no where credit to and putting your spin on it and also, you know, dialing it down to a specific group that really, really needs it, who might not necessarily be followers or people that, you know, who connect with the coaches that you just mentioned. Okay, there are some people that see Louis' programming like, yeah, that's some great programming, but they feel like it's not for them. They look at those guys, I mean, those dudes are really, really hardcore. You may see someone in Kettlebell Sport look at that like, well, I'm not trying to do that. But there's a lot of that stuff that carries over with Kettlebell Sport, which you're doing with this project, that a lot of GS athletes should be incorporating in their training instead of just lifting, just doing Kettlebell training all the time for Kettlebell Sport because they're doing themselves a disservice with that. Now, right. the second thing that you did, you did something else. You, you weren't an asshole, okay? You didn't just ask Ken a bunch of stuff and get a bunch of information and didn't do anything with it. You're actually like <laughs> going back and forth. Right. Ask, you know, when you ask these things, you're actually learning from the guy, and you're actually putting these things to work. The, things that, the information that he's given you, the, the, the tips and things like that, you are taking it and you're running with it and you're making use of it, so you're not wasting his damn time. So props to you for doing that because so many people in this industry always ask it, hey, sincere. You know, you know, I want to have lunch, man, so I can pick your brain. Don't pick my damn brain. I don't want you. I don't want you sticking your fingers I, I anywhere in any. Don't stick your fingers in any orifices on my body at all. Okay, you you are not allowed. Okay, so no, you will not get to pick my brain. No, you know what? Look here. They might have say to there that they they want to pick your ass. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I'm I'm in the gym right now in the elements. So what you're hearing well, right there is just that what that is. Yeah. It's, it's a blowjob, guys. I, I don't know how else to phrase it. It's a blowjob. <laughs> I, I would hate to see who's doing that. Yeah, what happened there? <laughs> Sound like Pop Gun just came right through. I know. <laughs> yeah. Listen, man, that'll suck the chrome right off of a trailer hitch, boys. <laughs> Everyone's coffee cup just spilled right there. <laughs> God damn it. The interesting thing is that that little uh, moment interrupt this does provide a perfect segue into what I wanted to mention next, and, and that is, you know, in, in trying to appeal to the, the kettlebell community, um, the one thing that I was looking at is just the simple idea that context, or information rather, absent of context is irrelevant, right? So one of the things that you guys are both saying uh, in regards to the kettlebell community is like there's a lot of different modalities that I'm bringing forth in the kettlebell black belt manual that will appeal to the GS community and that the GS community should employ. But the, the good thing is that it, it's presented like a buffet. So really it allows for the individual athlete themselves to kind of discern and decide for themselves which modality best appeals to them and, and what they'd like to employ uh, in their own training. So the idea is that the, the kettlebell black belt manual simply provides a context for all of this information that's out there and it gives them a framework to kind of decide with, in an educated manner okay, you know what, I like this mobility protocol that Chris is bringing forth and I like the, the philosophy behind it or I like the concepts that he's bringing forth with weightlifting and, ah, shit, I didn't know that, you know, I could use sandbags or dumbbells and, and get the same carryover or plyometrics. Like, right. that's, that's kind of the um, epiphany that I'm looking to facilitate and bringing forth the, the information that I am, you know. And again, like I said, as you guys said, you know, the, the, the emergence of this information isn't anything more than a gathering from varied sources. Joe DeFranco, James Smith, 
uh, Louis Simmons, uh, Ken Blackburn, yourselves. Like I'm looking at, like I'm just an observer, man. And, uh, and all I'm trying to do is, again, like one of the things like that Ken was saying in, in our conversation was, you know, this is like what the next step is um, in terms of what, what he's seeing in terms of trending within the kettlebell sport community, which is, you know, the athletes are now becoming coaches, but, you know, there has to be some kind of framework that's, that at least at a basis level says, okay, here's a good place to start and then make it your own from here, right? And I can't remember, like, which philosopher said it. I don't know, Mike, if you may know, you know, because this is along your vein, but um, I, it may even be a, a Buddhist precept, which is, you know, once you do the work, you have no right to the result, right? So once yeah, I put the kettlebell very, very Hindu. Very yeah. Hindu concept. That's that's totally yeah, Bhagavad Gita. So that yeah. that's heavily yeah, in the Upanishads and Hinduism for sure. Yeah. So once once the work is done with the kettlebell black belt program, and I've got the pictures all set, the manual is actually out there. The project's no no longer mine, and that's really what I'm looking forward to the most is watching people take the torch and run with it, and seeing what variations evolve as a result of this baseline. Because again, like my my my. Uh, motive is that this is is uh, a catalyst for action like people take this like sin you know like uh, the one person that i'm thinking of right now is garen clark like i could mm -hmm. i could see our boy garen like taking this shit and just blowing it up in chicago you know or or in uh, in michigan rather yeah. like like i can see him just going crazy with this stuff and like even yourself with house down in, in texas man like i can see you guys taking this and just like hmm that's interesting I'm going to try and add this little flavor to it, you know, and that's what I'm really exciting about is, you know, coaches contacting me being like, look, I like what you did. This is what I added. And I, and I can't wait to invite those conversations because it's going to be phenomenal, man. I'm, I'm really amped up and excited about that. Yeah. I think an appropriate quote is uh, Maya Angelou right now is like, when you learn, teach, and when you get, give. So it's real simple, man. And she said that, and that's what you're doing right now with this program. So, and I think, Again, like, um, like you said, this can really help for a baseline because you have a lot of these kettlebell sport athletes becoming coaches. But right now, because kettlebell sport is still relatively young in the United States here in the West, you still have a lot of athletes, kettlebell sport athletes, trying to find themselves. Because, again, we didn't grow up in this kettlebell culture. So you're kind of trying to figure out, okay, where do I fit in with this thing? And you see a lot, they gravitate to a lot of the Russian champions. But here's, here's, the, here's the good and bad with that. Okay, you're learning from the best in the world. But the problem is they try to replicate themselves as being the best in the world. So if they go and learn from a top high-level athlete slash coach like um, Sergey Rudinev, you know, he, this is like one of the best of the best. But the only thing that happens is I see a lot of American lifters who when they learn under him, they start trying to be him. You can't. It's done. There's only one Rudinev. <laughs> it's just like there's only one Yoda. There's not going to be a bunch of other Jedis walking around with green ears and, you know, being about two feet tall, whooping ass like that. No, those other Jedis have their own thing. You know, Yoda was Yoda, and that's pretty much how Rudinev is. So you have a lot of, you know, it's one thing to be very respectful and really respect what they bring to the table, but I feel like it's disrespectful to them when you try to actually be them. Okay, so the thing is, I think any good coach out there, once they teach you something, they want you to take that and go out and then – Put your own spin on it. They're not trying to have you go out there and be the exact copycat of them. A good coach does not want you to be the exact copy of them. In fact, a good coach wants you to go out there and be better than they are. That's what a good coach is. He's not sitting there trying to hold something back because you might get ahead of him. Yeah. And that's, you know what, that's, that's kind of uh, ironic because that's actually why I chose the black belt as like a, a part of the namesake is because, you know, in, in the martial arts, 
when you earn a black belt, majority of black belts who are in their shodan will admit that the shodan ranking is only the beginning of your true training. You know, in, in uh, Japan, the whole point of having a black belt was so that you would continue with your training to the, to the mastery level and you would sweat the black guy out of the band to a point where it would, re- where it would return to a white belt, right? So it it's, uh, sig- uh, signifies that even though you have this level of mastery, it's having the mindset of the eternal beginner. And that's really what the underlying uh, significance is and the symbolism of having that black belt name in, in the kettlebell black belt training program. You know, it, it's, we want to be masters, but at the same time, we always want to approach our training with the mentality of a beginner and being open to new concepts. Let's get into some nitty-gritty here on some of the concepts. Why, why should someone who's really heavily invested in kettlebell sport, right, they're competing in it, that's their primary training tool, why should they do any heavyweight training, such as powerlifting or anything along the lines of what you're talking about? Oh, man, there's a number of ways just to attack that question. Um, okay, so I'm going to answer that question through four different filters, okay? Uh, first one is um, just from baseline physiological filter. So from a physiological aspect, what we're looking at is looking at increasing, you know, uh, our overall anaerobic capacity, just pure power. Like, we want to be able to handle heaviest weights at the highest levels and make them feel light. So incorporating heavy barbell lifts, that's only going to make those 32-kilogram kettlebells for the fellas seem lighter. And really, for females, I think this is what that next uh, uh, gatekeeper is to them being able to lift, like what our friend Donica Serino lifts, you know, and compete with a 24-kilogram, 28-kilogram bell. You know, and we see athletes like Svetlana who, who prefers to compete in North America because she's not limited by her gender, because we do encourage ladies to compete with 28 kilos, you know, so we right. now see that barrier being broken by an athlete of her caliber. I mean, even right. Jennifer Hindenberger out, out of St. Catharines, like, you know, there's phenomenal things that she has done in the past with her own accomplishments and phenomenal things that she continues to do in a crew in the sport. So um, that's, from a physiological standpoint, I see benefits in that regard in just improving overall anaerobic output uh, with right. maximal load. Um, in regard to doing heavy strength training from an emotional standpoint, well, we all know that, you know, getting under heavy-ass weight at the end of the day, you know, there's, there's a psychological barrier there. It's like before you step to the bar, you really have to check yourself and check your ego. And, you, and, and that battle within your own mind, you're like, man, am I going to put this up? Am I going to be able to do this? And then when right. you break that barrier and you do lift, like Mike, you're going through those deficit deadlifts right now, bro. Like you're doing right. the, that deficit deadlift program, and I'm sure you're relating to everything that I'm saying. You're kind of perking up. You're like, yeah, you know what, man? When I picked up 425, when I picked up 455, and I hit it for a three, man, like I felt like a Mac. Like you know, I felt like a Mac truck. Like I'm gonna, you know, hit someone and just kill them, right? Like <laughs> right. that's no like that that ferocity gives you an edge on the platform, and like that's one of the things that Louis Simmons relates in his writing. When you read his writing, it's they're hitting maximal lifts so close to competition that there is no question in their mind psychologically whether or not they're going to be able to hit a new PR when, they come, when it comes time for their powerlifting meet. And the same right. is true of kettlebell sport. If I know that I'm handing, ma- handling maximal loads, like, for example, I'm pulling 455, Mike, do you have any question whether or not you could deadlift a 40-kilogram kettlebell? Right. So of course. Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? No doubt. So it's, it's, no doubt. it's a lens of comparison there. But what I'm alluding to with regards to the psychological edge that you gain is when you do hit that heavy weight and you break through that PR and you hit that, that personal best, 
it becomes an emotional catharsis and it becomes a spiritual transit, like transformation. It's what Elliot Hulse has lately referred to as the transcendent rep. It's doing that one more repetition than you think you're capable of, and in that transcendence, you become something completely different than what you originally thought yourself to be. And that's what this speaks to. Like, you need to have that, that strength just because you, you, know, you want to be ferocious on the platform. And right. uh, one of the things that Ken was saying, and, and Sincere, I know you'll know who said this, is, you know, I step on the platform and I'm willing to die. Like, that's the difference between the mindset of a champion and someone who's a contender, right? You step right. on the kettlebell platform and you're ready to die. Yeah, and you can definitely tell the difference. You can just going to one of those competitions, you know who's come there and they're ready to leave everything on that platform. I mean, you know the ones that kinda of like and sometimes you just have a bad day. Some that sometimes you just have a brain fart. I've been there. And those are like the worst. I think it's even it's that's it's worse to get there and have that brain fart where you just mentally check out and then next thing you know, you're at eight minutes, eight and a half minutes, and you still have like a minute and a half to go. And for some reason you put the bell down, you kinda of just black out and you look up. It's eight and a half minutes, and you're, like, still fresh. Like, I could have kept going. What the, what the hell just happened? You know, you've had that <laughs> mental checkout before, and sometimes you just have – so many things factor into what goes on in your head before you step on that platform. So many things can go on. I mean, that's with anyone, whether you're a fighter stepping into the octagon or, you know, someone stepping onto the mat, doing a jiu-jitsu tournament or whatever. It's just, you know, so many things. I mean, I'm listening to uh, Mike Tyson's um, autobiography right now. And just listen to how some, it, so many things make sense now when I watch so many of those fights growing up. And so he's just describing what was going on with him mentally and all the drama that may have happened right before the fight or something like that. It now makes so much sense. Like, why? Why is he going all these rounds with Razor Ruddick? I don't understand. Why is, it, why is it he's handling him up until this point? And why, is this, why did this fight go to decision? Well, he didn't take Ruddick seriously. And he was pretty much tired of fighting. Almost everything right around that time, every fight, he kind of had what we were discussing with Anderson Silva, you know, about six months ago. It's like he was just tired of being the champ. He was just tired of fighting. Whereas he had, like, these demons going on. One minute he's like, I'm sick of fighting. But, you know, that's only when he's winning. You know, when he's getting ready to, like, go into the ring, training for it. He was sick of fighting. But when he got in there, it's like he couldn't see himself doing anything else. You know, so it's like, I, I have to fight. So we kind of have these mental demons going on. So a lot of things are making sense where it's kind of conflicted. Again, when you step on that platform, you look at some of these folks, you're like, you have to wonder, like, what's going on with them? Other than especially people we know that are high-level, you know, sport, kettlebell sport athletes. You know, what's happening with them for them to, you know, have a crappy day like that? When you're just thinking, like, okay, I know they're going to kill it. They're probably going to get master sport this time because they were so close last time. And sometimes it's just the pressure of trying to get there and be master of sport because now everybody expects you to be master of sport. You know, at this competition, this is going to be the one. You probably told yourself that. It's kind of going back to having expectations as well and how they, right. can really, they can really defeat you because now you've been fixed on this idea, like, I'm going to go to Kettlebell Worlds this year in November, and I'm going to get master of sport. And you've been yeah. thinking about that for six months straight and trained for that. And for some people, it happens. That's what they worked hard for. But then – you know, once you get it, then what? It's kind of like now the journey's over. You're kind of like, uh, it's like a little thing. It becomes a distraction as well when you're so goal-focused. The goal yeah. becomes a distraction because you're putting unnecessary pressure upon yourself, which is taking away from your performance. And I think it's important to have goals, but I think it's when someone is so fixated on a goal where they're not focused on what they're doing in the present, now it's taking away from your, pre your performance at each session, and that's going to take away from your, when you're, your performance when you're trying to compete right. at that high level and then the whole the whole brain fart thing i get sincere but what about a literal fart has that ever happened to you or anyone else during competition <laughs> and, and if so how do you deal with that can you use it as an extra propulsion tool 
Or hey, that's a, that's, hey, that's, hey, that's called a PED in the kettlebell sport world. Okay, because that's if you're doing if you're doing long cycle or you're doing jerks. I mean, that's kind of helping you propel, you know, propel that bell up over your head, man. It's kind of like cheating. And so if you sit there and you have a lot of farts and you do it for ten minutes straight, come on, man. I think you're gonna have to put an asterisk by that guy's name if he gets master sport. For a heavy barbell squat, for a heavy barbell squat, don't <laughs> help. I mean, that could make the difference between. <laughs> Somebody, <laughs> no, I think I think uh, passing gas is really regulated. That's going to be safe for demonstrating such power moves, such as the Sots press. Okay, yeah, yeah, we got to tell Ken to stop drinking those those hemp protein monster shakes for a competition. <laughs> 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 oh man! You know, you know what, Chris? I've, I've I've actually seen Ken incorporate some heavy training in his workouts, and I have to wonder how much of that came out of his conversations with you, because I think you've been influencing him as probably as much as he's been influencing you, because I see him doing some heavy barbell work now too. Actually, you know what? Um, I think the emergence of the heavy lifting in, in Ken's like Ken's always done heavy lifting in his program. Um, I just think that he's bringing it out of the. <laughs> it's a bad way to say this, but I think he's bringing it out of the closet a little bit more. Uh, I know you two are going to run with that at some point, if not this show, in the future. So, Ken, I'm sorry in advance. We ripped on Ken enough. We need a new target. Hmm. Who do we have on the show? Hey, who's on the show right now? <laughs> Victim. <laughs> yeah, but I think what's really happening with Ken also is the fact that, you know, when he trains, He's training with Mitch. You know, nothing can inspire you more when you've got a badass son, okay, that you've helped coach to where he is now. So they really, I think I've watched Ken and, and Mitch train together, and they feed off of each other, man. And I think it's really good. He's not, Ken's not doing what a lot of these, I guess you can say like these, these stage moms and stage dads would do, where they're just barking out all the orders and, you know, reaping all the rewards and claiming the glory, like, I got him here. This, what he's, you know, one thing about it, the more and more that Mitch improves, I think the more and more Ken is inspired to keep pushing on, too, to keep setting that example and lead from the front. So he's fighting right, right there on the, on the front lines with him. So you got, like, the general, you know, and his son side by side, you know, leading the entire pack forward, which is pretty much like our, our, entire, our entire Blackburn Kettlebell sport team. You know, these yeah. guys really help, you know, push us forward. They inspire us. And, hey, look here, man. You, you got Mitch. I think Mitch is, like, about 21 right now. He's, yep. like, 20 years younger than I am. You know, but the one thing about it, when you train with guys like that, and I've trained with him and trained with Ken as well, when you train with guys like that, I have no qualms of thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm 21 now and I'm going to, you know, get master sport or whatever. Like, if I put my mind to it, I probably could. But it's not a goal of mine right now. But you know what? To, get, to push myself beyond those so-called self-imposed limits and have someone there to actually help push you along as well, where you kind of kind of step your game up, that's the reason why you want to surround yourself with people who are better than you than, in, in every aspect. Not just training, but business. So you have to keep moving forward. Otherwise, you'll get comfortable. And, and trying to surround yourself with people who are far behind you is not, right. is not helping you at all. So yeah. I, I need guys like that around me to keep pushing. I need guys yeah, like I think Mike and Chris yeah. around me at all times. Like, Mike, I had taken my mind off deadlifts for about a good 15 years, so I got around this dude. And now I look at that bar every day like, I, I just want to. I just want to just tear you apart. I just want to like. I got to hit this number now. I just want to deadlift more now. So and it's just again. And Chris kind of got me back and think about all the other power moves. It's like, man, I remember how much I used to love power cleans and got around Chris in Toronto. I was like, okay, I got to get power cleans back in my regimen again because I loved them and I was great at them and they were a perfect fit for my body compared to a lot of other things. So you know, again, you watch these guys. 
and you get inspired and you want to push harder. And that's what's happening. I think that's what's happened with Ken. He's around Mitch, and he wants to push harder just to show, like, hey, I'm not that dad's trying to be better than you, but just showing, like, hey, man, I want to, I want to experience what you're going through so you don't ever think, like, you don't understand. You know, you know why you push me through this program, you don't understand how much this sucks. He understands because he's doing it, too. And, you know, that's a lot of things I do with, with my class as well. I do the same thing. I sit there and train and do the suckiest things before I even think about writing it down for them to do it. I'll go and do right. it a few months before I put that program together for them. So I can tell them, hey, I know what you're going through. I know how far you can go because I've done this now. And I know each and every one of you. So, yeah, I think that's what's really pushing Ken, man, that, you know, the fact that – uh, yeah, like my friend Joe Dowdle, he's a strength coach in New York City. He made a good point in one of his lectures saying, don't ever put any of your clients in a program that you've never done before. Exactly. You, you want to know how – you want to have experienced it so that you can relate to whatever they're going through when they're on it. So if you've never done German volume training before and you decide to put one of your clients on it and they're going, man, this 10 sets of 10 is killing me, and you're going, oh, come on, suck it up, and you've never done it before, you know, you can do – I mean, anyone who's done German volume training, you're like, all right, first three sets, cakewalk, fourth set, cakewalk, sixth set, you're like, oh, man, I got four more of these to go. You know, right. eighth set, you're ready to die. And then somehow you get like this resurgence and you're able to finish off the ninth and tenth. It's really crazy when that happens. And anyone who's gone mm-hmm. through it can, can, can relate to that. But if you've never right. gone through it before, then you're not going to be able to relate to that at all. And I like what you said about Ken because I think Ken is, Ken is really a great role model, not as just a fitness professional and strength coach, but also as a father because I think he and Mitch have a great relationship. I think that's right. exactly the kind of father you should be. And you can tell that Mitch is just a stand-up guy because Ken, Ken encourages Mitch in a way that's not over the top and he doesn't, he doesn't diminish any of Mitch's... So when Mitch has a, a bad performance, Ken's not going to be that guy who's like, all right, on the car ride back home, we're going to talk about everything you did wrong. Right. But he's also not going to be that guy who's all patronizing, going, oh, you'll do better next time, Mitch, don't worry. So he really has it balanced really right. well. And you can tell those guys have a great relationship. And then Ken is also like that with all of his other students. And that's why yeah. he's produced more master of sports than anybody. He's so good at program design. Everybody yeah. likes the guy. Anyone who takes a course with him really likes the guy because he's encouraging without being patronizing. And that's not an easy skill set, especially in our industry. Right. I mean, it takes a different type of psychology to do that, man, and balance that right. out. And, you know, right. and, and it's even harder when you have to work with someone who has that psychology background. So, you know, so I, I know when Ken's talking to me, I know he's not giving me bullshit. You know, because the thing is, it, we will recognize it with each other quickly, and he knows that. So, but he still finds a way. It's like, okay, all right, yeah, but that was really great here. He said, you know, let's take a look at this. Again. Let's take a look at him, bud. You know, that's a that's a Kenism right there. Hey, hey, bud. He's got that real psychology. That therapist talk. It's like uh, I'll be talking to him. It's like, and how does that make you feel, Mike? And how does that happen? It's like, shut up, dude. You know, <laughs> we're hanging out in Kansas one time, and he's like, he's like, what do you think? It's like I was talking about something like personal life stuff. And he's like, and what do you think that means? It's like, shut up, dude. <laughs> you know? It's like, don't play that couch therapist with me. <laughs> it's like, and then she said this. Like, what do you think? What do you think the meaning is behind that? I was like, I was like, I'll figure it out, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> then you got the smart ass, like you know, psychology guy over here. I'm like, he asked you something like that. So I said, what do you think about this? I don't know. What do you think? You know, we can do, you, like, you know we can do this all day, right? <laughs> I'm asking you for advice. If I already knew what to think, I wouldn't have already said what I had, had a thought. <laughs> it's like in the Matrix. Remember in the Matrix where Neo meets uh, the Oracle? And uh, all she does is, it, it, it reminds me of like these, these con artists in India, right, where you go to them for advice and they just, they just repeat anything you say to them. But like Neo's over there going, 
you know, am I the one? And she's like, I don't know. Are you? You know, like that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know what? This guy came all the way here to hear that, man. You know? <laughs> and then it's like, no matter what he decides, she can say like, oh, see, I told you. You really, it's like, all I, all I gave you is what you needed to hear. It's like, what? Like, like a soundboard? You know? <laughs> come on. And, come on. and that's when Kanye busted and interrupts. You ain't got all the answers, Oracle. You ain't got all the answers. <laughs> but she does have cookies. <laughs> uh, the Oracle. There was a spiritual people in movies. You ever notice they always smoke cigarettes? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, like, like Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Spiritual women in, in movies are always like some old lady, you know, who's been smoking three packs of Marlboros a day for 30 years. And she's got all this spiritual guidance to give you, you know. Like, but you're, so still, you're a chain smoker. So here's some, how about some spiritual <laughs> guidance for your, for your lungs, okay? Yeah, you better be very spiritual if you're smoking any, and, you know, with that frequency, right? Because you're going to meet your end real soon. Now, when you get those, those spiritual people that, that smoke something else, you know, like in a traditional indigenous well, well, way. Well, that's useful. <laughs> now, I'm listening to what they have to say because they can see some things, okay? I mean, smoking I some know, stuff. Man. Post workout recovery, but that that's a totally different topic. You, know? <laughs> you guys may want to get Snoop Lion on the program and ask him how many people listen to him when he was Snoop Lion. Well, <laughs> well so my, first of all, the mar- the target audience was the wrong one for him. It's like, look, dude, come on, what you're doing is not anything special to them. They grew up doing that. They came out of the womb with a slip in their hand. Okay, <laughs> okay. So they're not they're not they're not buying what you're trying to sell them, bro. Line. It's only yeah. it's only concert you can go to and get high as a kite without ever smoking anything, just from all okay. the contact. Well, 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 obviously, I didn't look a thing here. <laughs> come on, obviously, Mike has not been to enough underground hip hop shows because. <laughs> All of those shows are like that. I'm like, dude, I, anyone ever asked me, like, you ever smoke? Like, no, I don't have to. I was a DJ for 20 years, and do you understand how much contact I've had in those 20 years? <laughs> okay. I'll just that, 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 that explains why the game came on at 3 in the morning at a show that was supposed to start at 10 p.m. <laughs> he thought it was 3. He thought it was 10 p.m. He's like, wait. He what? came on at 3 in the morning. Like, there's like 10 people in the, in, the, in the auditorium left because everyone has left now, and he's still performing at <laughs> half-ass perform, and I'm a fan of his music, but that was a real half-ass performance, man. <laughs> oh, Look, man. Snoop Dogg is the only only guy that could make you question how the hell someone could hotbox an open pasture. Like, how the hell do you hotbox an open roof stadium? Like, you know, like, people that don't even smoke, like you're saying, are walking out high as a kite. You know, how the hell does that happen? Uh, he's, just, he's just taking a page out of Bob Marley's book. Bob Marley did it with Wembley Stadium, okay? So if you can, if you, if you can get all of Wembley high and get everybody in the U.K. to chill out and relax, you're the man, okay? So, so again, once again, Snoop's not doing anything new. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're really, as you just, we've talked about through this whole show, there really aren't any new things out there. It's just no. a, different, it's, it's a new approach. Just things yeah, that are already done. And that's when people understand that in the fitness industry, it'll be a better industry when they quit trying to act as if they created something brand spanking new. Okay. Well, I like, like what you said about what Chris, because so many people don't do that. Where the most, uh, they're, they're, so many people would have come on with, let's say, the equivalent of Chris's material, and they would have been like, man, I just conceptualized this awesome program, and they wouldn't have dropped anyone's name. And then you and I sister would have been like, huh. That sounds kind of like Louis Simmons' program. Like, oh, that sounds a little bit like DeFranco there. <laughs> you know, that's, exactly. That sounds like Ken had chimed in on that. <laughs> and it, I, don't, I don't understand why people don't want to give credit where it's due because it, it only makes you look better, number right. one. Yeah. And it, it shows your audience that you're someone who's a student, too. You know, you're out exactly. there researching stuff heavily, yeah. and that also makes you look good. 
Yeah, because you're yeah. going out there doing the things they don't want to do. Nobody wants to get out there and do the research and, and, and do the trial and error and, you know, try this out for three months, six months, a year to see if it actually works or not. And then, because the one thing about it, they're afraid. There's that fear, like, okay, what if it doesn't work? Well, damn, you'll never know because you never tried it. So they were rather, it was funny, my wife and I were just talking about this because it's a little bit off topic, but it's not. We were going out to eat the other night, and in the section that's called Chinatown, and Chris, you've experienced Chinatown with us because you, Ken, and Mike House pretty much shut down one restaurant that we frequent a lot, and they questioned us to ever come back there again because they've never had to feed so many big boys before. You know, this is an Asian restaurant, and they weren't used to feeding people like that. Like, they couldn't understand it. Like, oh, my God, they eat so much. <laughs> so we were out there, and it's right around that same restaurant, Chris, that we took you to. It's called Tantan. And within that block and that radius right there, there are so many reflexology uh, massage parlors now. And this is not a rub and tug type massage parlor. These, this is like the big thing here in Houston. It's like a $20 massage. When you first tell somebody about this, first thing that comes to their mind, like, wait a minute, is it one of those kind of massage parlors? Like, no, it's not one of those. But what happened was there was this one that I used to send all my clients to, and they pretty much were the only game in town at that moment. This was just a couple of years ago. But once everyone realized that this is a lucrative business, because at first people look at it like, how are you going to charge $20 for a massage? There's just no way. <laughs> You know, it's just no way that they can stay in business with that when everybody else is charging like $100 plus for an hour or something like that. But it became very popular. And the thing is, when you go there, you just say, you know, I want, you know, I want to get the foot massage. But they give you a full body massage, and you don't, have to, you don't have to disrobe or anything. You do it in your clothes, but they're so damn good, you don't have to take your clothes off. You're like, wow, you know, how is this even possible? And then the word gets out there. And then once other people, business people in that area start catching on to that, now you've got a reflexology salon on every block, every corner. You might see like three in one strip center now. What, it, what, the, what I'm getting to here is the fact that so many people are afraid to take that first step and be the first one right. and, and risk failure and risk that it not work out. And then what they do, they'll sit back and they'll wait. And then once they see something's working, then all of a sudden they jump in and they, and they right. act as if, okay, yeah, We've been doing this for years and blah, blah, blah. But, no, you didn't. You were a punk. You were scared to take the first move. And right. you waited for someone else to be successful at it, and then he jumped into it, which is right. pretty much the American enterprise system. I mean, really? No, it is. Once somebody Most comes people out with even something, have that line. Exactly. Most people the, even have the line of, uh, I, I wish someone else would show it works before I try. It's like, well, why exactly. don't you do it? Yeah, now, to me, it's, to me it's more exciting to be the guy who's going, man, this is an untapped area here that no one's touched. Exactly. You know, that, that's kind of that's how I came up with, came across hormone optimization. I, I, I got into it just to fix myself, and that it's not so much that I came up with anything new. It's just that no one was talking about it in our industry, which just boggled the mind because it's so powerful for improving your performance. And I was like, here's an opportunity to bring this information from one area to another and then put my twist on it so that people in our industry get it and understand the application. Because when doctors talk about it at these conferences I go to, it's, it's at such a technical level that people like us are going to be like, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand any of that stuff. Doesn't, I don't really understand how it's going to help me because they're just talking about it from addressing health issues. I'm talking about it more from making you feel better and improve whatever your performance is. And that's, that's become a huge part of my business model. So I think, I think that's one of the reasons why I like gambling, man, is I, I like the risk. You know, I like that moment when you have all this money on the table and you don't know whether you're going to win or lose. And I, th- I think that's something that a lot of people miss where they're so risk adverse that they don't want to try anything until someone else has proven it works. And at that point, it's even more risky because it's saturated now, <laughs> you know, it's, it's exactly. not going to work for you because it's already out there. Like someone trying to get into kettlebells now and do what I did in 2002. Good luck. It's done, right. man. It's over. 
Yeah. Doesn't mean you can't. Doesn't mean there isn't an opportunity, but it's got to be something else. You can't yeah, do my business model smart, yeah. from 12 years ago. It's got to be. It's got to be something like what Chris is talking about, for example, your program, Chris. Yeah. That's something new. It can't just be like, well, here's another kettlebell only program. It's got to be right, something yeah. going. Look, and it's what you yeah. did too. You're looking at this landscape, going, you know what? No one is doing this. And then there you go. Yeah. You came up with the concept. Well, at a certain point, you can't you can't um, sustain a lifestyle within an industry as an entrepreneur. At a certain point, you're going to have to become an innovator, right? Like, there's two types of. I think there's two types of individuals if you want to categorize them as such that have like your persona, Mike, sincere's persona. Like, I can't picture either of you cats like in a nine to five job. Like, you just, it's just not you and who who each of you are as individuals. But as innovators, as entrepreneurs, yeah, absolutely. And at a certain point, you know, you're no longer an entrepreneur. You have to become an, an, an innovator. And that's really what I see in terms of the growth of your own business, Mike, with the aggressive life, like brand, like live life aggressively brand and, and Mahler's aggressive strength. Like at one time, Mahler's aggressive strength, you were an entrepreneur and you're breaking in to the fitness world as an entrepreneur that's bringing forth all this great information and content on kettlebell and kettlebell training, kettlebell sport and whatnot in working with the RKC. And then eventually, you know, you recognize probably well ahead of the curve being an intelligent dude that, you know what, I have to think of a, a new way to kind of redefine myself within my own brand that I've created to service my niche a little bit more. So to kind of like circle back around into what you were saying earlier in your conversation, I, I want to put this question forth to you, Mike. When you were looking at developing your like hormone optimization formula, you, you kind of mentioned that it was for yourself and some of the health issues that you were encountering along the way. Now, I want to I want to ask you like did you kind of like do the due diligence and and look into researching the formulas and various combination of ingredients out of fear or did you do it out of love like that's that's something that I'm I'm interested in hearing you know from your side now like fear in terms of like what the long term health uh, picture was looking looking like for you at that point in time or did you do it out of love of life like hey you know what I want to prolong my experience in this life as long as possible I love what I do I love where my life is at and I want to you know prolong that experience which one do you feel like more accurately describes where your head headspace was at at that time no, that's a great question I don't think I've ever done anything of late out of fear I'm happy to say because I think fear is a poor motivator I think when you're doing something out of fear there's a underlying tone of desperation that's going to come with that and it's not going to be your best performance so when when i looked at the, the whole testosterone booster came from a buddy of mine anthony roberts who introduced me to the cornerstone ingredient bulb by natalensis and i was like man this stuff is awesome i'm taking it during a really aggressive training regimen with mark Philippi, working out hard and i'm crushing it thriving and i'm 37 at the time and just feeling good i never even thought about making it i never thought about it actually going from there to my own product under my label though i just liked it for myself and I started telling everyone about it when other companies started selling it. Like Sincere started taking a brand called Phytoserms 347. I got Ken on it. You know, I was telling everyone about it. I was like, you guys got to get on this stuff. I'm not making a dime off any of this stuff. And I didn't really care to. I just said, hey, I'm getting great results off this stuff. You guys are going to love it too. But then it got to a point where I'm going, <clears throat> you know, why am I sending all these people to some other company? I should have this stuff under my own label. But, you know, if I can't make something better than what's already out there, then I'm also just leave this alone. I can just sell their product. And that's when I started looking into formulas and so forth and, and came up with what I have, which was a three-year process. But to answer your question succinctly, it definitely wasn't out of a fear-based model. It was more like, man, this is exciting stuff. And that's how I'm now. I'm designing two more products now. They're in the works, and it's, it's excitement as you're looking at stuff and you're trying stuff out and it's working. So I think, I think it's a mistake to ever 
do anything out of fear. I think people stay in bad relationships out of fear. They stay in bad jobs out of fear. And whenever you act out of fear, it's going to be negative consequences for you and likely the people around you because most of the people in this, you know, it's funny, my my brother, Roger, does a lot of research for his script, right? So he was reading all of these books on on people that have turned evil and stuff like that. And he did a, he did a lot of research into Hitler, and he came to oh. some really interesting conclusions. He goes, you know, a lot of people don't realize where this whole path to darkness started with Hitler, and it's that this guy always dreamed of being an architect, but he didn't have the discipline to push it to its furthest end and get great at it. So as a result, he never went down that path, and he was always kind of resentful when he saw other people become really successful at it because it reminded him of not having the balls to really push that end. And that was his, that was his first step towards you know, chasing power, where he wanted to have power over other people. He wanted to be this person that was kind of feared and, and admired and so forth. So it's, 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 it started with something really simple. So when, when we act out of fear with something that may seem trivial or not that significant, it can take us on a trajectory towards a very dark place where it's disastrous for the people around us. I mean, imagine if you, on a much less level than someone like Hitler, imagine if you just do a job you hate for 20, 30 years. I mean, what kind of person are you going to be at the end of that 30 years? You're not going to be a happy person that's trying to put out goodwill. You're going to be someone who has, because of fear, never left that job, never had the courage to pursue something that would potentially make you happy. And that is, that's a dangerous person in and society. You're jaded. You know? you're jaded. You could yeah. end up being that one guy that goes into a post office and shoots some stuff up. Exactly. You the, yeah. Or you could be that person that sits there. Anytime someone tries to advance around you in your office, you would do everything in your power. You become, you become Uncle Ruckus if you ever watched the, the cartoon Boondocks. You know, you yeah. become that sellout that would sit there and wrap people out, make up stuff, to keep, and just hold them down. You become that crab in a barrel because... You're not trying to do anything to advance, so you don't want to see anyone else advance because you're afraid that they're going to do better than you, and then you're going to be right. forgotten, and you're going to get fired. And so you start pulling them back, and you become that guy because, A, you're not happy with that job in the first place. So, or let's just say you are really good at your job. Let's say you're really, really great at that position that you're having, but you're not advancing. But you're too afraid to step out and start making moves to get out on your own. So you stay there and you start resenting and hating the whole, the whole aspect of that job and become so jaded. So it's not even about someone being better than you. It's the fact that, you know, you're basically in a place that you don't want to be anymore, which goes back to like Mike was saying about relationships. Same thing. It's going, you're, you can't run from it. It's going to show. So going back to Chris's question, you're only going to live in two places in life. You're either going to live in love or you're going to live in fear. And it's not some hokey, right. you know, huggy, hug fest type thing we're talking <laughs> no, about here. That's it's a soundbite right yeah, there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, this is real life. You've got two places to live, fear or love. You know, and guess what? Neither one of those can exist in the exact same place at the same time. You've got to choose one. You've got to choose one. And right now you've just got to ask yourself, like, where, where am I right now? Do I truly love where I am in life right now? Or, you know, am, if I'm feeling funky about something, why is that? Is it because of fear? And you got to ask those hard questions, and I think that's what it comes down to so much with our life, asking those hard questions. Like, okay, why do I feel this way? Like, if I'm angry, why am I pissed off? You know, it's not about who pissed me off. Why did they piss you off? Why did you allow them to piss you off? Because no one's going to do anything to you that you won't allow them to. So if somebody pisses you off, you allow that to happen. You gave them permission to piss you off. Now, why did you give them permission to piss you off? You know, usually it's going to be out of some type of fear. Well, he's disrespected me. 
Dude, right. Just like I mean, Quantum really? was talking about last week. I mean, whenever yeah. whenever you act out of fear, I look back on my life in times where I, I acted out of fear. Like my first first marriage, I was married to a real bitch. Bad fit for me. But there was a fear at that time because like my face, my face had just gotten burned at that time. And I was right. fearful about I, I was insecure about how I looked. Honestly, at that time, I was like, well, I don't want to drop this bitch because I may not be able to get another one. You know, I look back now. and I was like, man, I was such a wuss back then. But, but back then it was like a, a real fear in my mind. But nothing ever came good out of those actions because, you know, if I stayed with this with this woman long enough, I would have become some kind of psychotic for sure, man. It would have driven me nuts. So I mean I think I think so many people when they when they stay in situations out of fear they're 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 creating their worst fears basically because right. you're going to turn into a person that you should be afraid of you know you don't want to like if I never had if I never got out of this crappy job I hated or these bad relationships I mean I can't even imagine what my life would be like because now I wake up and I, I'm sure you guys feel this too I wake up and I'm just like man you know it's it's great to be alive, and it's great to be me, right. and this is my life. Sometimes you have to like pinch yourself and go, man, this is my life. You know, I live in right. a great house. I've got great people around me. I make a good living doing what I love. I've got plenty of free time on my hands. I mean, sometimes you just have to be like, man, I can't believe this is the way I live because so many people don't have that. They don't have That's that funny. freedom. They, they don't enjoy what they do. They don't have freedom at all. They, they're, they're stuck on this time clock that someone else has created. And right. they're just more and more resentful. I mean, that's why we meet so many sourpuss faces throughout our day. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, why are you uh, walking around ass-faced all the time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was a dealer. I was playing cards a couple of nights ago. This dealer was like the rudest dealer of all time. And then I, after a while, I was like, you know what? I can't play at this table anymore. So I got up to leave, and the dealer's like, what, no tip? I was like, damn right, no tip. For what? For being rude? You know, I just looked him dead in the eye and said that. <laughs> I was like, it's not like you helped me win. It's like I just lost ten hands in a row. And now you want a tip for what? <laughs> and he's just like, ooh, he had no response to that. I was like, try being a cool guy next time. You know, that's how you get tips, buddy. You know, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, man. I guess it goes back to what FDR said, man. The only thing to fear is fear itself. Okay, <laughs> and, and and that I mean, there it is. That's everything on the line. So my thing is, if you don't want to be afraid of fear, then you know, love you, love yourself first of all. You can't you can't expect anything that you can't give yourself. Okay, so if you don't have respect for yourself, you don't have love for yourself, if you don't love yourself enough to like, dude, you know what? This job is making me miserable, and I'm far better than how these people treat me at this job. So right. i got to start making moves to get out of here, because guess what that is? That's love for yourself right there. Or yeah. the flip side of that, like, well, man, you think you don't deserve you know, to leave that job. You, don't think, you think you deserve how they're treating you or whatever. Well, that's fear. Okay, that's a lack of respect for yourself. So if you're not respecting yourself, don't expect your boss to respect you. And one thing about it, one last thing, <laughs> Human beings are animals at our core. We're, you know, mammals. We start off, we were animals first, okay? So here's the thing about animals. They smell fear, and they feed off of it. So if they're already living in fear, and they smell your fear, then they're just going to go ahead and eat yours up, and they can stop chomping on the own fear they're feeling about themselves inside. Right. So, More likely so, to attack you if you have fear. Exactly. exactly. So here's, here's another note. Don't feed the animals. Okay, take that. <laughs> you see a lion, don't try to feed it, man. <laughs> because you're going to be the one that's being fed on. <laughs> you know what both of you, uh, what both of you have kind of alluded to so succinctly in the conversation. You know, in the tangent that we went off on here, really the underpinning psychology of it is is simple Darwinism at its at its most basis level, right? Like. Mm -hmm. We as a species, as human beings, are hardwired to survive, right? So hard, being hardwired to survive, you avoid a lot of shit. You know what I mean? Like you avoid fear, you avoid challenge just because you figure like that's what's going to, you know, allow you 
to survive, right? And you're in this survival mode. So you're not really living. You're not really thriving. You're just surviving and you're getting by and you're eking out a meager existence, which is complete and utter bullshit. Like you need to, you need to thrive on that, on that desire to get out and, and like sincere said, like express yourself to the truest and most full extent, like show your, show that self love. Like all of us have a passion that that's deep within us. Like whether you wanted to be a pilot, an astronaut, a lawyer, a doctor, whatever the fuck it may be, it doesn't matter. Like there's something that you were passionate about that you were a kid where you lit up and you're like, this is my dream. And then somewhere along the line, like Rocky says, the world, you know, stuck a finger in your face and told you that you were not good enough. Right. right? right. So it's up to you to stand up firmly on your own two feet and, you know, do what you got to do to make your way in the world, to make that dream a reality for yourself. Cause ain't nobody going to do it, but you, right? Like it's up to you to do the legwork. And I think, that's that's the problem right like you know success is quite often dressed in the guise of work and overalls right, right like right. that's <laughs> the issue is people just don't want to do the legwork and they avoid the legwork out of out of fear you know and and that whole thing of being trapped in this survival mechanism like at the end of the day eventually the people who become enlightened and waken up wake up to the fact that you know what fear isn't serving me Fear is no longer something that is perpetuating my survival, per- perpetuating my ability to thrive. Fear is actually a disservice to myself. Those people that become enlightened actually recognize, you know what? Being and living in a state of fear psychologically only perpetuates that quicksand and doesn't propel me forward. Like, you know, I, I'm thinking about, you know, just some of the culture within, within the fitness community of which we're all a part. Like, for fuck's sakes, some of the, the sales copy that's out there just it's fear mongering really like I'm going to pick at the psychological flaws in your brain that right. you're thinking about. Like, Hey, exactly. do you want the mate of your dreams? Hey, do you want to have that <laughs> dream job? Hey, do you want to get out? Do you want to get out and have the lifestyle that you want? Own that car, get that girl. Well, how about the, the final note in the sales copy? Do the fucking work. There's my magic seven step process. Do the fucking work yourself right. you, have, you have to make like the sacrifices stop. you have to put in the work exactly yeah. it's, it's almost like everyone's looking for a, an, a way to avoid the hard work and then yeah. to quote a great philosopher from an 80s classic fear causes hesitate hesitation and hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true <laughs> come on guys you know that movie <laughs> don't leave me hanging here like what movie is he talking about <laughs> point break man it's a classic <laughs> I'm like I'm just thinking like okay that wasn't Roadhouse but I know Swayze's involved in this and then Keanu Reeves at the end like when you like, get in surfer mode for too long you gotta go down Brody it's gotta be that way brah. you gotta go down people put their lot of trust in you and they died <laughs> like it's okay I can feel the chi right now I can I I can see Ken Blackburn sitting at the opposite end of this pack, uh, the opposite end of this podcast, going, "Gotcha, gotcha." <laughs> Ken would have finished that sentence before I got oh, the first. Oh, you know it. Oh, <laughs> Ken, Ken's like, I got that mantra on my wall in front of my. <laughs> That's because that dude is nothing but Swayze, man. Exactly. Like, remember, remember, Mitch. Fear causes hesitation, and hesitation is going to cause all your reps to go down the drain on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> and, if all that, and if all else fails, be nice. <laughs> uh, that's the thing. I think that's the conundrum that a lot of us in the industry have, though, is that right. you, know, you have to market aggressively to be successful. There's no way around it. So when I hear people say, you know, I hate all this marketing crap. I don't do any. I'm like, well, you're stupid because you're not going to fucking get anywhere if you don't promote yourself well. That's just the way it is, man. So don't hey, don't expect what, everyone to 
out who you are because you're a nice guy and you got good info. You have to you have to promote yourself. But at the same time, none of us want to do this cheesy shit. Like, I don't want to sell my testosterone booster and say, look, guys, I know you have a small dick. You haven't been late in 10 years. You know, <laughs> you can't lift you can't lift fucking anything in the gym. So you need to get on this shit and get your manhood back, right? But it doesn't have to be either one of those extremes. My attitude is just give people good information so that they have everything they need to make a purchasing decision. Right, exactly. What you what you need is a celebrity spot, Mike, with Jesse Ventura going, this shit right here will make you a sexual Tyrannosaurus, just like me. <laughs> yeah, I got Sam Sheridan, author of Spider's Mind, on my page, so there you go, man. Didn't even have to pay for it's it. True. About that. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think it comes down to, man, people need to understand that mediocrity equals death. Okay, yeah. if you live in a mediocre, you know, a mediocre lifestyle, then first of all, take the life out of it. Okay, you just live, that's death style. There's nothing exciting about mediocrity. There's no living in, in that space whatsoever. So why do you want to be mediocre? Why would you even choose to do that? And guess what? If you're a grown-ass person, you are making a choice to be mediocre. Okay, right. so, and if you're a child, then someone's teaching you how to be mediocre. Screw them. They don't, they don't know what they're talking about. That's, that's, that's their BS. So. Right. And that's the problem also. It's like if you're a parent and you're, you're living a mediocre lifestyle, what do you think you're teaching your kids? Okay, so we don't want to sit there and have generations of mediocre, mediocre people. We, we have that right now. You know, look at all, every reality show. Okay, look at all this stuff. So mediocrity is like at our, it, it is a rampage of that going on right now. It is a disease, and it's spreading fast. So well, people are like, teaching fear too, like what Chris said. I mean, the yeah. other day I was walking my dogs, and some little kid was out there, and he, he saw my dogs, super friendly dogs, and he came running at them because he wanted to play with them. The mom, the mom cut him off at the pass, picked him up off the ground so that my, my attack dogs wouldn't get near him and lick him. You know? And then I'm like, I'm like, great, all you're teaching this kid is to be fearful of dogs for no reason. Right, you know, yeah. she's, because you no are, because she's yeah. afraid of dogs, or she's she's already made a story up in her head of what's going to happen. Like he's going to run to that dog, that dog's going to ma- you know maul him, and then he's going to kill him, and then I'm going to lose Tommy, and I could have stopped him, and I'm going to do it now. <laughs> like all that happened in a millisecond. In the time that kid ran, all that BS was created in her head in that millisecond. Do you understand? If people, of all those creativity people use to create stories in their head, if they did that for good, how much better this would be? It's like we can make up some BS in our heads really quickly, man. I mean, like, at a drop of a dime, just make up any kind of crap. It's like, okay, where, where did you pull that out of your ass? Where did that come from? <laughs> it's like, no. I mean, no it can it's happen. Funny, man. It's that's, funny what they, my, that's what they mother, say. They my said. mother was kind of like this lady, to be honest, man. My parents are kind of like polar opposites because my dad's not afraid of anything. You know, he's been all over the world, third world country, stuck in the middle of nowhere, and armed thugs come out with guns, and he's still calm and cool. You know, that, those are the kind of stories he can tell. Well, my mom is afraid of everything. She's just got this fear-based mentality. So that's what she was like when I was a kid, honestly. And honestly, that fear was instilled in me for a long time, man. It wasn't until, like, I was a teenager that I started kind of rebelling against all that and, and started, like, purposely putting myself in jeopardizing situations, which is not smart either, but it was more like a rebellion against that whole, let's just be f- afraid of everything that can go wrong in life. And I think a lot of people have this mentality of they're always worried about what can go wrong instead of being focused on, hey, some things may go right too. You know, you put in the right yeah. effort and have the tenacity, chances are some things are going to go right too. You only need a few things to go right to be successful. You know, if right. I try 20 yeah. things and two of them work well, I'm good. You know, it's not like everything yeah. I've ever tried in this business has been a home run. You know, there's been some strikeouts, quite a few actually, but, right. the, but the home runs 
made up for all of those strikeouts and then some. So, I mean, I think, I think what people fear is, is really not worth being afraid of. It's like some things aren't going to work out. So what? So what else is new? There's no guarantee. Right. That's why people are like, I don't want to play blackjack because I'm not a gambler. I was like, life's a gamble. Bamble. I mean, if you don't want to play blackjack, fine. But don't have the illusion that life is somehow something. The only thing that's certain is you're going to die at some point. Yeah, right, and guess what? And guess what? Hey, guess what? On that note, guess what else didn't work out? Living forever. Okay. Watch my Landra one too many times, man. Okay. <laughs> Just because Ray cares well, we're all going to be living inside computers for the rest of our lives at some point. Doesn't mean that's actually going to happen, nor would we want it to happen. But I mean, exactly. it's. It's like, it's like people, what, what people are fearing is creating a worse fear, is the irony. It's like they're so afraid to live a full, passionate life that they end up living a miserable life of quiet desperation, which is really what they should be afraid of. Like, man, if I don't do this, that's going to be my life. That's where yeah. fear can be useful. And then you've got to make a decision like, oh, F that. I'm not, I'm not selling for that. <laughs> you know, that's the yeah. thing, man. You know, and it's just really pushing forward from there. So, yeah, man. So it's the beauty of our show, Chris. We go off on tangents, but they're meaningful tangents. Okay. <laughs> you know, that, that's, it's funny because, like, you know, we, one of the things that we were talking about before we actually came on air was just the nature of the crew of people that we surround ourselves with in that every time the group comes back, each one of us has, like, a renewed and refreshed perspective and has grown in some way, shape, or form interpersonally. And that's the thing I think I, think, I believe I can speak for each one of us uh, in this regard is that, that's one of the things that enriches the bond of our friendship is the fact that I know that, you know, Mike's doing what he's doing and pushing the envelope in that regard. And I can see the updates on Facebook, you know, and like with regards to like the deadlift stuff. And I mean, you know, the desire to put on, um, you know, this huge um, fitness workshop that you guys are doing in conjunction with Ken Blackburn and Steve Cotter, like the, the information is consistently evolving and changing with you guys. And it enforces everyone within that dynamic to step up their own game and continue to want to grow and grow from the right spot. Like uh, going back to what we were saying earlier on, just with the whole underpinnings of fear and stuff like that. Like, I think a lot of the times, you know, people get involved in these bullshit mentorships and stuff like that. And they get, <laughs> oh, God. do not get me started on those. Dude, and, and those $10,000 masterminds. Bro, I'm going to. We're, we're, we're fucking going there because I'm telling you right now, I have an issue with this shit. And if the problem is, my, my opinion is that, you know, you fall victim to groupthink mentality and you lose your sense of individuality. And in losing your individuality, you lose that uniqueness that you can bring to the game. You know what I mean? So it goes back to what we were talking about earlier on about, you know, at a certain point, the path in the woods diverges and you stop being an entrepreneur and you start being an innovator which is you take a look at your surroundings and going, shit, you know what? Training is training. But if I can take this concept from here, I can take this concept from there and amalgamate the two, that's innovation. That's something new. And you know what? I can help a lot of fucking people with that. And that, that's the love. That's the benevolence, right? right. The, the idea right. and the innovation is spawned from good intent. So I think when, as an individual, you're properly in aligned with what you believe your purpose is, and in this instance, your purpose being your passion, you lead so much more of a fulfilling life. Like, Mike, I can relate totally to what you're saying in regards to coming up to challenges and obstacles and failing. And you know what? There's not enough people out there being completely candid with the amount of failure they've endured, right? Like, right. I've, I, right. I remember, like, just a couple of days ago, I saw Elliot Hulse uh, in a video that he put up. It was like a video mantra, or a video montage, rather, and it's like, you know what? I live for challenges. You think I was just successful, like an overnight success? Bullshit. I've had tons and tons of failures. 
Well, how about helping someone else along by expanding upon those failures? And I'm sure that Elliot Hulse is one of those guys that do. I, by no way am I, am I pointing fingers saying he's not sharing content. The guy puts out killer content and contributes right. to the fitness community incredibly, like from so many different angles. And uh, definitely someone that I follow and tip my hat to for just the quality of content that he's putting out there. But that aside, like, you know, like there, there has to be more candid of a conversation because that's one thing that I believe that makes us all uniquely human is pain. You know, our pain and our ability to endure suffering and share that common experience is what allows us to relate to one another. Like, man, you know, like I relate so much with you having to go through challenge and change and, and obstacles. Like, it, that's what unites us as, as, you know, people that are constantly and consistently evolving. So uh, going back now to what I was saying with the groupthink mentality, at a certain point, you know, that communal thinking is only going to get you so far and it's going to stagnate and stagnate quick. Right. Well, the problem is, right. you know, eventually that becomes copycat syndrome, too, because a lot of times in these so-called masterminds and mentorships, <laughs> basically what they're trying to do is teach you how to be them, whoever that person mm -hmm. is that's leading that. Instead of, instead of really focusing on, okay, look, this is all the shit I did wrong. So instead of you trying to go out and reinvent the wheel, let me just show you what not to do. And let me tell you why this happened to me. And then you can make a decision for yourself from there. So, like I said, I have no problem when you, you're going out there and you're coaching people. And, yes, you, you should get paid, you know, as a professional, you know, if that's what you choose to do is be a, a coach and a professional, you should get paid for your services. But at the same time, don't try to go out there and get paid to create clones. You know, what you try to do is help these folks kind of like get out of their own way because a lot of times we're so close to whatever we're doing. We're so attached to what we're doing that we can't really see straight. We can't actually disconnect from whatever project we're working on in order for us to improve that product or even create that product. We're like, we're too close to it. You know, it's kind of like how right. doctors are, you know, trying to operate on a relative or whatever. You're too close. Or if you're a cop, you know, and the criminal happens to be like your brother, you're too close to the case, you know, because you'll never be able to be objective right. when you're trying to really, you know, go in there and get all the evidence that you need to make this thing right. It's, it's, it's going to cloud your judgment. So sometimes you need that person on the outside looking in like, hey, I don't know, man, you may want to try this. And let me just say this, this, because of this. And at the same time, at the end of the day, you got to make your own decisions also. Because nobody right. knows what you want to do better than you. Just like, don't ask for someone else to motivate you. I don't know what your motivations are, so don't ask me to give you motivation. Only you can, only you can do that. So, like I said, I said it a couple episodes ago. I can help you by, hopefully I can inspire you. You know, like, okay, that sounds, you know what? You, may, you had me thinking. And that's, that's my main purpose of being on this planet, man. I just want to help people think. Because why? I love it when people make me think. When they give me reasons to sit there thinking like, right. that's the beauty of being an observer. You know, that's, really, that's really what this show is all about. Sincere. And exactly. Someone asked me this. To, I mean, they're like, what's this podcast all about? I go, honestly, to put it succinctly, it's about provoking thought because it's yep. not, about, uh, not about Sincere and I having an agenda, getting, trying to people, get people to agree with us. And, and I like when we get emails where someone's like, you know, I didn't agree with what you guys said about this. I'm like, good. Well, why should you agree with everything we have to say? We don't even agree with each other on everything. So why would right. we expect yeah. you to agree with all of us on it? And, you know, the thing about marketing seminars and these masterminds, the thing, the thing that's most insidious that really irritates me, because I've taught at these kind of events before, is the fact that, one, and I've, I said this while I was lecturing. I was like, you know, a lot of you guys don't even look like you work out at all out there. That's the, that's the first problem. <laughs> you know, I mean, how are you going to inspire anybody when you guys aren't even excited about training yourself? Because what got me into this business is I love working out. And I was like, well, shit, I love working out. And I love helping people with their, like, friends and family at that time. So I should get into that. And people would always tell me that because they're like, man, you're so excited about this stuff whenever you talk about it. And that's still the same thing now. Like, if I quit right. this business today, I, it's not like I would quit working out. I'm going to work out whether I'm in this business or not. 
And that's one thing I was trying to remind these people. I was like, why did you even get into this business? Because if you just want to make money, go be a fucking investment banker. Why are you trying to be a fitness professional? I mean, the average fitness professional is not going to do that well financially, according to statistics. So if you, if you, need, you need to really love what you're doing here so that you can – so that, you're okay, no, one, you're okay with that. Not that you have to settle for that, but you need to be okay with that. Because the other thing that irritated me too is the fact that the whole thing was about everyone had dollar signs in their eyes, right? Every time a speaker six would get figures, up there and say, hey, do this, I do this, this, and I made this much money last month, and everybody's fucking getting excited in their seats and so forth. And no one was getting up on stage saying, you know, I did this, and I helped 100 people get stronger, or I, I put this program in place, and, you know, 50 people lost weight, and, you know, I did this measure, and, and these people empowered their lives that way. No one, no one was really saying anything like that. It was all like dollar signs in their eyes, and... Like, where's the where's the balance? You know, where's the balance? Like, look, I helped this many people with this, you know, and eventually it turned into a transformation thing because that's what my client said I should be doing, and I created this, and then next thing I know, I made this amount of money, and it was, you know, but it started from just a simple program of just trying to help this this amount of people in my class. And that was kind of my point when I was lecturing is that <laughs> look, every product I've made is because it was something I was interested in, in, and that's why I did did it in the first place. That's why it was a good product, and that's why people bought it, enjoyed it. It's kind of like what Chris is talking about with his product here is that, or his book is that this is not, I mean, he didn't start this whole process going, man, this is going to make me millions. Can't wait to get this thing out there. You know, it started right. because he loves this material. He's enjoying the research. He's not getting paid to do the research. You're doing the research because you want to, and you may make good money out of this. You may not, but that does, whether you do or not, doesn't mean that the process was a waste of time because you enjoyed right. the process. You got a lot out of it. Most likely, it's going to do really well because of that process, that, that genuine enthusiasm to really get into this thing. Exactly. And that's what people at these events are missing out on is that, yeah, it's okay to make money. I like making money, too. I like money. I, I, make, <laughs> I, I, make good money. I make good money as a side effect of actually enjoying each thing I do. I don't make a supplement that I don't use. I don't make a video that, is, that has content that I could care less about. You know, I'm not going to write a book about something I could give a fuck about just to make some right. money off. So, I mean – yeah, people, people always come to me going, is this going to make me money? Is that going to make me money? What do you think about this? And I'm like, well, do you give a fuck at all about this content? Because <laughs> it doesn't funny. sound like to me like you're remotely excited about it. You're just thinking about, huh, this is what people out there want, and I'm just going to give it to them. It's like, why right. don't you think about what you want and then find a way to present that to people so that they see the benefit and value to them? Chances are that's going to work out for you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like, let's make this connection. Like, what do people need and what do you want? And can those two things merge together? Can exactly. you make those two things fit together? Because right now, all I hear is about what you want and what you need. It's like what you guys are always, like what you guys talk about on the podcast here, which is, you know, instead of like going to someone and, and thinking about, well, what the fuck can you do for me? Like you go out with the giving hand, right? And you're thinking, okay, what can I add or value add to the services that you have? And that's, and again, going back to what the, the, the genesis does, one of the genesis of the Kettlebell Black Belt, it was from a genuine desire to do right by Mike and, and the aggressive strength community. It's like, look, I'm not going to give you some shit, like, uh, you know, seven-page program. Like, I want to actually, like, delve into this and, and get balls deep in it. Like, I want to make sure that <laughs> what I'm putting out there is, is quality content, you know? So, like, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Like, and it's funny because I think – what you're what you guys are dancing around a little bit is is the irony that is our profession which is the health care profession 
it's not healthy, and no one cares. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, it's very problematic, man. And I, and I don't like it when someone becomes a fitness marketer, and then it's obvious that they eat whatever they want now and don't train at all. Hey, it's almost Mike. like, well, you know, I've already been there, and now that I'm just telling you guys how to do it, I can just let myself go completely. It's like, Change. man, if you actually cared about any of this stuff, you never would have let yourself go in the first place because well, you enjoy it. <laughs> You enjoy all this. It's not out of fear. It's not like I'm working out going, man, if I don't work out, I'm going to get weaker and then no one's going to like me anymore. You know, it's, it's more like I love working out, so I'm going to be in there no matter what. You know? well, Mike, I think you mislabeled those people. They're not fitness markers. Those are shitness markers right there, man. <laughs> so yeah. that's what those people, because that's usually what they're marketing, especially when you look at it. And that's why a lot of times you don't even see those folks. You'll never see them in the ad copy. Because, or, you'll see, exactly. or you'll see this old-ass glamour shot of them. Or a like, cartoon picture of them. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, like a, cartoon like a, yeah, like a like well, that says it all. That, like well, an animated all, picture of them. That says it all right there. That, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that picture represents what you're buying right here. You're buying a, a, a cartoon. You're buying a, a, a lie, a tale, a story, right, <laughs> something that's right. not real, something can't really happen here. Okay, that's what you're doing. It's just animated BS. So it's, it's a Disney fairy tale. Don't buy into that, folks. Like, well, who, where is this guy? What does he look like? What is he doing? What is she like, doing? Would you accept it in any other context, right? Like, if you're, if you're using Internet dating and someone has an animated photo up as their profile pack, you know? Or, or, hold on. Or they put, like, or you see somebody, like, in social media, and they have, like, for their profile picture, they have, like, some celebrity. So they have, like, Keanu Reeves as their profile. Like, no. No. Unless this is Keanu Reeves' Twitter page, why do you have his picture up there? What does that have to do with you? Okay? So and oh, that kills me. Or like say on those dating services, you look at that picture like, wait a minute, that first of all, that's a scanned picture, which means that picture is old, which means because that was a time before you could actually have digital cameras, which means that's, that's probably a glamour shot that. from 1989. Because A, I see that you only have like the top part of your hair is cut off, which is probably full of Aquanet, <laughs> which is going to be the telling story <laughs> that that picture is old as hell. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you said about the Facebook one is hilarious, man. It's like you, you come across someone's page, you're like, wow, this blonde's hot, man. And she looks just like Charlize Theron. It's like, oh, shit, it is her. It is. Like, Wait a minute, that's not her. <laughs> that's a picture of her, but this bitch ain't her. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just a fan. I just really love her a lot. That's why I have her picture up. <laughs> you know what? I have to thank you guys for like the last five minutes of this call because in that five minutes, you scrapped about three of my covers for the Kettlebell Black Book. Black Belt book. Like I, I was going to go with an animated caricature of that's out the fucking window. I was going to go with, like, maybe Keanu Reeves from, like, a Point Break thing. That's out the fucking window because he's a Canadian like me. Like, man, now i got to go right back to the drawing board with my graphic artist. And, go back, and go back to your original idea. Uh, Ken Blackburn's body with your head on it. That was your original idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, while if that, if that, if while that wearing... doesn't work, and then you can have my hormonicus picture on the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> not harmonicas. Not that it popped back up. <laughs> that was a good one, Mike. And I was like, "Hmm, this is gonna take a while to respond to." You know, <laughs> that was a home run, Mike. This is gonna take a minute. <laughs> oh man! So I tell you what, Chris. Um, tell everybody where they can get more information about the book, and as well as yourself, and find you online, man. Okay, well, uh, basically, as I said from the top of our, uh, our call today, um, if you're looking for more information, you want to follow the developments of the Kettlebell Black Belt program, you can simply use the hashtag via Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, uh, and that's the hashtag Kettlebell Black Belt, and so you can follow along through there. If you're interested in, in uh, actually getting in on the beta trials, you can uh, head to the URL www.achieveyourpeak.com backslash kettlebell dash black belt dash beta dash test uh, that's achievepeak.com 
backslash kettlebell dash black belt dash beta dash test. And um, I'll make sure that Sincere and Mike both have a copy of that URL so that they can put it up with the, with the podcast information. And for those of you out there that are listening that are interested in jumping in on the beta test, you're more than welcome to come along for the ride because uh, this is an ongoing process. You know, I'm looking to do longitudinal studies and open up a, a second and third edition with, with the research. Uh, and the more and more people that I can help out, the more and more people that I get to study, it, it's just going to help more and more people in the end. So that's one way. And then uh, you can follow me on uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook at uh, OneQuickRead. So Facebook.com backslash OneQuickRead, Instagram.com backslash OneQuickRead, and then Twitter backslash uh, one quick read. So those and are the ways that you can find me. And that's read with two E's. Okay. That's correct. So it's nice, <laughs> play, it's nice play on words, but some people take literally like R-E-A-D. Well, I didn't find it, man. <laughs> I, I can't find this dude. <laughs> yeah. and, and I should note as well that it is the number one, not spelled out one. So exactly. it's the number one quick read. Yeah. Number one rule. Assume nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Especially when online. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Chris, for stopping through, man. And Thank really appreciate much. it. We'll definitely bring you back along. Later on down the line, so we can see pretty much how the results are, you know, with all the studies that you have going on with this program. So definitely looking forward to hearing more information about how it turned out for you. Awesome. Thank you guys both for the opportunity to come on and, and speak to the uh, Live Life Aggressively podcast audience. Uh, very thankful for that opportunity, and it's always good to catch up with you guys. So I look forward to uh, our next call and, and uh, seeing where we're all at at that point in time. So thanks, guys. All right, Thank man. You, Take buddy. it easy, brother. Appreciate Great it. Talking. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Later. All right, that's our buddy Chris Reed. And be sure that you hop over to his website, AchieveYourPeak.com. And, man, it's always good to talk to Chris. That, that's a great website URL, too, Achieve Your Peak, right? Because it tells you what he's all about without you even getting to his website. That's, and it's easy to remember, and it tells you something about what he's trying to get out there before mm-hmm. you get to the website. That's perfect. So there you go, man. He's, he's, he's learning a little something about, you know, you know, branding himself. He's getting it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So... Yeah, man, that was a lot of good information there. So always good talking to Chris. And you never have to worry about Chris not having anything to say either. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, so we, we, knew, we knew that when we talked to him for an hour before we started recording today. <laughs> yeah, you know? I had to shut him up. I'm like, dude, shit, no, man. we got to say that for the call. No, stop, no more. He said, let me say this. No, you're not going to get to say that until we start the call. <laughs> Sometimes when we're good friends with somebody who comes on the show, that happens all the time where we're having this great conversation and we're not recording. It's like, what are we doing, man? Let's, get this, let's hit the record button here. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Share this information, man. Let's not keep it to ourselves. So, yeah, I mean, hell, Mike and I are guilty of that. Hell, we had like a three-and-a-half-hour conversation about a week ago. It's like, <laughs> damn, we didn't record any of that, did we? Well, and that was a lot of good up. stuff. All right, That's folks. how this whole story started in the first place is you and I would have good conversations, and I was like, man, we should be – why are we wasting time just talking to each other about this? We can make, a informa- we can make this into you know, website information. <laughs> exactly. It's like, people need to hear this. So, yeah, we, we learned our lesson. So we're, at least we're still trying to, the most, for the most part. So, all right, folks, before we wrap things up, make sure you hop over to Mike's website and my website. The coupon code is LLA. Type that in when you purchase my digital download or physical download of my DVD, as well as sign up for the Weight Management 101 course, 12-week course, self-paced. You do it on your own, and you have a lot of support materials to go along with that to help you Really understand like how to get your body stronger, better, healthier, no fad diets, no trickery as far as training programs or anything like that, how to put it all together and be in control of your own health. So hop over there, use that coupon code, get 30% off of that. And if you hop over to Mike's website, this is what you get. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that assumptive close. When you buy the product, make sure you do this. <laughs> Not like if you're going to go over there and do it, make sure you do this. I like that. I'm going to use that now. I go, so when, folks, when you buy my aggressive strength bundle, which is my testosterone booster, recovery oil, and restore Zyme, because that's my most popular category right now. People are buying the bundles left and right, because why buy one great product when you can get three that work synergistically to give you incredible results to get the most out of your workouts? So when you buy that today, use coupon code LLA to get 10% off. You're going to get a personal email from me to make sure you get the best results with the product, and then you have access to me if you have any questions, and you can't beat that. You also get 10% off any of my videos, ebooks, t-shirts, the whole shebang, basically anything on my website. And then don't forget to email Sincere or myself, Mike at, at LLAPodcast.com, Sincere at LLAPodcast.com, VIP in the subject line. Get on that list, the early bird list for our course in September so that you can get the lowest price possible for the ultimate Vegas experience event. You're going to have a great time. There you go, folks. So... We'll check each and every one of you out next time. Make sure you keep downloading this, sharing it, and hopping over to the fan page, giving us that feedback. But take care of the other stuff we just talked about first, okay? All right. All right, so we'll talk to each and every one of you on the next show. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Take care. Bye.